Let's look at the Word of God. I have entitled my message today, The Work of Christ. The Work of Christ. And you can look around, and this also is the work of Christ. Uh, you look around. Because everyone uh, that you see here was a sinner. And, and that's not a light thing. Everyone you see here was at one time rebellious against God, didn't know God, didn't want God, uh, had inclinations totally apart and away from God. But now look at them. So that means that we are the work of God. And what you see is that whatever God does, he does well. And there are some of us who are looking to experience to determine what we believe rather than looking at what God has done through Jesus. So let's not look at what you see and say, well, I see, I see, because until you, your eyes come open, that is, until you are born again, born from above, you won't ever be able to see properly. doesn't matter how smart you are, you won't see properly. I love what one uh, born-again intellectual said. He said when he was um, in the world as a heathen, he said he did a lot of really bad things. He used the word stupid things. He said just crazy things. And he said some, some wickedness is so, so deep you have to be real smart to do it. And he said he was that way. So I'm just saying to us that we need to show appreciation to Jesus for what he has done. We need to show appreciation to the Father for who he is as well. So let's look at some scriptures. I want to turn first to John chapter 5. We'll see verses 16 and 17. And uh, this, this, these verses, two verses, come behind the fact that Jesus had healed an impotent man. He healed an impotent man on the Sabbath day. That is, you know, he did something that the, the norm of the day said was wrong. The norm of the day said it was wrong. We talk about uh, uh, this new normal. Uh, the world is trying to get us to accept something that God doesn't accept. A lot of things. They're trying to get us, and some Christians do it because they think, oh, this is what they're supposed to do. But I want to share with you, there was a normal that had been created that was not God's normal in Israel. And it wasn't a God's normal because he never, Jesus explained it to us. He said, uh, the, the man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. And so we want to take a look at this scripture, these scriptures and then see our world, our present world in light of them. The verse, is, the verse says, for this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. They wanted to, they persecuted him and wanted to murder him because he had broken their Sabbath, according to them. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. Now they were fortified. Now we're really going to kill you now because you now, not only have you broken the Sabbath, you have broken this holy day. We're going to kill you because you claim that God is your father. So I would like for us to take a look at that and, and just see how degenerate they had become 
from what God had made them and called them to. So we have to ask ourselves those questions as well. You know, is this just for me to listen to or am I allowing God to minister his life in me and through me as he desires? When we were singing Spirit of the Living God, we only want to hear your voice. I really, I really got into that. We only want to hear your voice. And so if we're going to really do the work of, of Christ, we must hear his voice only. Now, we, we, we have to understand if we're doing the work of Christ because Christ did the work of God. And Christ culminated that work on the cross. What does that mean? When we say he did that, he culminated that work. The, the work was finished on the cross. That means the cross was his greatest, as it were, work. It was the greatest work that he had ever done. It was the most extreme sacrifice he, he had ever given because he gave everything. I think that we have not given until we give everything. And, and when I take my last breath, I want to be able to say, I gave you everything. So this is an encouragement to the church more than a challenge. That, that whatever you're doing, ask yourself, have you given enough? I remember hearing a, a, a Bishop John Hurst Adams a number of years ago when I was quite young. I heard him, and he, he so inspired me that, that uh, he almost persuaded me to become a Methodist. <laughs> he, he so inspired me. I thought, maybe I should be a Methodist. If I could travel with John Hurst, but what John, Bishop Hurst, John Hurst Adams said, he, he, he talked about how much is enough when we give, when we are doing our work. And, and as I said to you previously, that this praise team and one accord and others of you ushers and, and, and so forth, you give and you give and you give and you give. And sometimes we, we may ask, how much is enough? And when John Hurst Adams said, he said, how much is enough? This much. And he stretched out his arms as Jesus was on the cross. And that's how much is enough. In John chapter 5 and verse 19, uh, Jesus said to them, he answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. And what we want to do, we say we want, we want to see you. We want to see what you're doing, God. So you now have an opportunity, even coming here today, understanding the Word of God, you have an opportunity to see what God is doing. We saw it in song earlier. Now we're seeing it in word now. So you can see what God is doing. And Jesus says that the son can do nothing of himself. And you and I must understand, regardless of how smart we are, regardless of how intelligent we are, regardless of what we possess, we can do nothing of ourselves. There are very rich people today who are paralyzed. They can't even feed themselves. And that's a picture of, of us without Jesus. Jesus says, I can't do anything. Now, this is an amazing re uh, reality here. It's an amazing picture of God. Here he is the very son of God. He is the, the word of God in a human body. And this word of God says, I can't do anything without him. Amen. So that should really put us in a good position. And he says, but what he sees, what the son sees the father do, whatever he sees the father do. And so our lives should be spent seeing God. A, a friend of mine a number of years ago, 
Bishop Greg Proctor now, he, he would do something, he was a younger man, maybe a couple of years older than me, uh, whenever God would do something. I didn't too much like to be with him too much in public because in those days he would embarrass me because he would see something, he'd say, oh, look at God, you know, just loud, everybody. You know, I mean, I was a Christian, but I was sort of incognito. <laughs> under the radar Christian, right? But he would say, look at God. You know, we were in the restaurant. Hey, Greg, let me buy you, buy you lunch. Okay. He, he was sitting there, and maybe, maybe they may bring him a, a larger portion. And he would, look at God, you know. He saw God in everything. Do you see God in everything? Do you see God in the good and the, the bad? Do you see God in everything? For we know that he is working everything for our good. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what they planned against you. No plan that, that they made can prosper in what they had intended. And with Joseph's brothers, he said to them, when they thought, oh my goodness, he's prime minister of Egypt, most powerful nation on this planet. Oh, he's going he's gonna to kill us for sure. He says, no, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So whatever's going on in your life, God means it for good. Everything that you think is stunting you, God is growing you with it. You've got to see what God is doing. And so Jesus shows us because he has these amazing uh, eyes. He has the ability to see God. And I pray right now that you would see God. We would see God. Amen. I pray you see God. Hallelujah, somebody. So Jesus says that all this that you see me doing, all these amazing works, it's because I see God doing it. And for whatever he does, for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So whatever he does, the son doesn't adjust what he does. The son doesn't tweak what he does. Whatever I see him doing, I do the same thing. And that's the source of his success, Christ's success, and that's also the source of our success, is to see what Jesus is doing. Amen. Amen. And so Jesus uh, says in, in the next verse, 520, he says, for the Father loves the Son. Can you say, Jesus loves me? Jesus loves me. You, know, you know the little song? Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. So God, Jesus is saying here, the Father loves the Son. So you can say, the Father loves me. Jesus loves me. And this is what happens. He says, and shows him all things that he himself does. So, so Jesus is showing us, but we are looking, but are we seeing? And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. That you may marvel. So Jesus is showing us what are we seeing. What are we seeing in every situation in our lives? Do we just see what irritates me? Do we see what is upsetting me? Or do we see God working in me? This is what I found. That a lot of the things 
that are upsetting me or showing me what's wrong with me. <laughs> let's, let's take another look. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 6, when John, it says in, in Matthew 11, 2 through 6, and when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ. Now see, Jesus was so amazing and prolific in his work, so, so amazing in his work, that it was noised all about. People were talking about Jesus. I, I remember in the early days of this fellowship, uh, people were talking about the fellowship. I, my barber said to me, he said, he said, he said, I see those folks over there from that little, little old church. He said, you got, he said, and they're always talking about it. Always, he said, wherever, they're always talking about it. But, but no, because in, in those days, they were actually seeing what God was doing. And I believe today we're seeing what God is doing because I'm hearing about what God is doing through you all over the world. Amen. And he says that John had heard, where? In prison. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That folks in jail are talking about what God is doing. I mean, that's, that's our testimony. That's our testimony. Let's talk about what God is doing. And he says, he sent, therefore John sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? Now, because there was obviously some contradictions in John's mind, we hear about these amazing things that you are doing, things that no one has ever done before, but I'm still in jail. Why haven't you broken me out of jail? And so I know sometimes we, we think, why hasn't God broken me out of my circumstances? Why hasn't he broken me out of my situation? Why am I still in the situation if Jesus is the Messiah? You, you're going to have to stay where you are because all things are working together for your good. Jesus, knowing that John was going to die, even out of John's own mouth, he had spoken of his death, but he didn't know it. A lot of times we have spoken of our future and what God has for us, but we don't seem to recognize it. John had said, when, when the Jews said uh, about Jesus, the one that you baptized beyond the Jordan a, a little bit ago, he's now baptizing more than you. Now, maybe they didn't say it that way, but I just figured they were bad in other ways. They were probably like that. You know, trying to make him jealous. The scripture says that Jesus had not done it himself, but his disciples were. And, but John says, he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And so what God was saying here, I think, through John, is that John had to decrease or, or his demise was imminent because God was not going to have anybody, as it were, competing with the Son for glory. That's how I see it. And so... Jesus answered him, though Jesus didn't go into all of that. Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things that you hear and see. Go tell John the things that you hear and see. I want to encourage you to leave here and go tell people not about your plans for yourself, but go tell people about what you have heard and what you have seen. 
I, I remember when my daddy used to preach, he would say, he said, I heard David say, I heard Jesus say, I saw what he did. I saw this. He said, I see, I see, I see. And, you know, and everybody thought that was just good preaching. But what he was saying was, uh, John, uh, uh, John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And so when we come to, as it were, the Lord's day, why aren't we in the spirit? And if we're in the spirit, we're going to see spirit things. We're not going to see how we are suffering, how they cheated us, how they neglected us, how things aren't working for us. When we're in the spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, somebody. Jesus says, you go tell John the things which you hear and see. And since you are in the Spirit here. Now, you say, well, how do you know I'm in the Spirit? Because if you're in Christ, you're in the Spirit. You and I don't live, as it were, in, in the natural atmosphere in this context. We don't just live here. We live in the Christ sphere. We live not just in the atmosphere, but the Christ sphere. The Jesus Christ sphere. We live, how do I know that? We live in the beloved. We are now in the beloved. The beloved is the Christ sphere. It's the person of Christ. And here he says, go tell them the things that you hear and see. Because the things that, that they heard and the things that they saw testified of Christ. They testified of the Messiah. And the things that you see and the things that you hear are testifying that you just had an audience with God through Jesus Christ. This is what the work of Christ looks like. The work of Christ continues. We are part of this amazing faith continuum or God continuum in that God began something a long time ago and it's still going on. But we are now not the picture of it. We have become, as it were, the fulfillment. These things were written for us on whom the end of the ages have come. So then he says, what do you see? The blind see, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. Now, isn't that amazing? Now, that's already shouting for me. I'm already excited about that. But then he says, now, this is something that we generally will neglect. We will neglect this last part. He says, you know that the Messiah is there. When these things happen, let's read them again. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The poor. Well, but pastor, why do you go so much? Because there's something in me that won't let me stay in my comfort zone. This is my comfort zone. This is the place I want to be. This is the place I want to be more than any place in the world. But the poor must have the gospel preached to them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We go to preach the gospel to the poor, and we bring them in. We transport them in. We feed them, and we send them back happy. The poor have the gospel preached to them, and you haven't really, really got, done anything until you sacrifice so that the poor will hear the word of God. The poor will hear the word of the, God, of the Lord. Jesus then said, and blessed, and blessed is 
he who is not offended because of me. Blessed is the person who doesn't stumble over these things. You're, you don't stumble over them. You are blessed and fortunate that you don't stumble. We have to fulfill it all. This is amazing to me. These works that Jesus was doing declared that he was indeed the Messiah. And according to Isaiah 61, so John wanted to know, are you really the Messiah? So, John, so Jesus was, was giving him uh, uh, the fulfillment of a Messiah. Uh, I was in, in Benin recently this year, and uh, one of the brothers said to me, he laughed in his deep, beautiful voice. He said, oh, he said, Pastor Don, you talk in parables. <laughs> Why? Because I, I explain things with the scripture. You ask me a question, they ask me questions, I gave them a scripture. I would give them the scripture. And so they wanted to see, are you the coming one? Jesus gave them scripture. He said, he said look, I'm fulfilling this scripture. You, you can safely say we're fulfilling scripture. I'm, 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 that's not a small thing, that's a huge thing. You can say we're fulfilling scripture. If somebody asks you, what are you doing? I'm fulfilling scripture. Because we're doing the work of the Messiah. We're not the Messiah. We're doing his work. Now, now, this is what he, he, was, he was telling them. Isaiah 61, verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's what Jesus was saying. The Spirit, Isaiah prophesied it. Jesus quoted it in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You can safely say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's what Jesus said. I'm telling you, you can say it. That's not robbery. That, that's not robbery to say, I can't say that. No. He says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. That's a sign that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. What you do for the poor. You know, can I tell you straight up? I had no idea of saying that. I was going to get to something else. I was trying to get to something else. But I see now the, the working of the Holy Spirit. One thing I want to share with you, because I want you to be the same way. What I do when I stand up here, at, as, as my Baptist brothers call it, the sacred desk. When I st stand up here at the sacred desk, I, I just want to be used of God. I don't want to have my own agenda. I used to tell people, I don't have an agenda. I don't have an agenda. And the Holy Spirit corrected me and said, you do. It's just not a personal one. But the Holy Spirit obviously wants us to understand these things. Now listen to what he says. He, he says, because this, the Lord has anointed me, has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prisons to those who are bound. Can I tell you there are a lot of people in prison while they're going to church? Wow. But we have we have an opportunity through the, the, the praise and the worship. We have an opportunity through the preaching of the gospel to open prison doors. Hallelujah. I can tell you truthfully, as a young adult, I sat in church 
loving God with all of my heart, but I was locked up. I don't mind confessing that to you. I was, I was in jail while I sat on the pew. Uh, the things were bothering me, and I couldn't seem to break through from those things. I was in shackles, and I was sitting there trying to raise my hands and love Jesus, but in shackles. And one day, when the pastor told me something to do something I did not want to do, and that could very well have been why I was in the shackles in the first place. But he told me to do something I didn't think I should do. And sometimes we sit in church, we bring our own mind into the church, and we keep our own mind during the, the service, and we leave with our own mind. And the, the, the crazy thing about all of that is, if I may just be totally bold, the crazy thing about all of that is our thinking is what got us into the mess, and I, we think our thinking is going to get us out. I love what my brother, I hope he doesn't mind me saying, telling. He's here today, Brother Gordon. He told me one time, he says, he was talking to me about addiction, and I'm listening. I, 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 want, I think I'm a very good listener. Now, I didn't say I hear well. <laughs> I'm, I'm having some challenges there. We were yesterday in the, the elders, and we were all saying, what? What do you say? <laughs> and somebody said, well, that's why we are called elders. <laughs> but I was, I was with my brother Gordon, my, my brother Gordon, and one day he was talking to me about addiction. He says, he, he told me two things about addiction. He says, addiction, I've told you this story, it's like setting your hair on fire and putting it out with a hammer. He said, but also addiction can be so bad, it can be so bad, you can't trust your own thoughts. See, and he said, you have to believe what somebody is telling you. And that's why I believe that God preaches uh, to, to people. He preaches to his own, and he preaches out there. And I believe he preaches because the word of God is like a hammer. It breaks that crusty stuff in pieces. That stuff that keeps you from hearing, it'll keep breaking it up. And all of that, all those shucks and, and all, all that grassy stuff that is all in you, a mess, it's like a fire. It'll burn it and cause you to hear again. And this is why you want to come and be open to the Lord so that we might then truly uh, do the work of Christ as we are the work of Christ. Amen. Isaiah 35 verses 4 and 6 uh, through 6 said, Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. And so our message is, is even that, implicit in the message. We don't have to every Sunday say, be strong, do not fear. But implicit in that message is a message of strength, of hope, of fearlessness, knowing that no weapon formed against you can prosper. That's implicit in the message. That's the work of Christ, that he has taken a people out, as it were, from a people, and he has made them special. He has made them different. He has placed his spirit in them. And now we can say safely that no weapon formed against them can prosper, that they are always led in triumph. Those are amazing scriptures. When the enemy tries to inundate you, flood you out, drown you, you come up, you bobble up every time. That's like a cork. That's amazing. That means you're an overcomer. Are you seeing that? You must see that. You must see that. Not, 
You hear it, but you must see that. You must look at your life and know that everything that tried to destroy you was not successful. That's why you are here. And, 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 he, and one day when I die, one day when you die, one day when we die, we're not going to die in defeat. I know I've said that to you before, but I want to say it again. We're not, I will not die in defeat. I will not die poor me. I will die in victory like my Lord Jesus Christ died in victory. Hallelujah. I'll die in victory. No weapon formed against you can prosper. You have the spirit of the living God. You are able to do what nobody else can do. My sister's saying, when he comes into the, the room, he does what nobody else can do. And now, he, yes, he did it when he was on the earth, but now he does it in and through you. Hallelujah. Now, now don't tell me, well, I don't feel like that. Somebody wrote me, uh, or I saw somebody writing, they were talking about my, my favorite, one of my favorite words, cachetadas. And uh, I was talking about, I think the person said, I love it when people get these cachetadas. Well, I don't love that, but if they are spiritual cachetadas, let's get them. It slaps, you know. But he says, be strong. Do not fear. He's not asking a question. He is speaking it into the people of God. Be strong. Do not fear. Behold, look, I want you to see something here. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will sing. That's what he's saying to us. These are our promises. Let me just say to you, I live them out. I see them in my life. And those who travel around the world with us, they see them in their lives. Do you see these kinds of things that God, you see God opening doors, you see God unstopping these deaf ears? I've seen it in the physical and I've seen it in the spiritual. I was, pre I was in a particular country once, and, and um, the, um, a man brought his deaf child to be healed. And I asked him, do you know the Lord? He says, no, I, I, and I don't want to know him. I just want him to heal my child. And being the young man that I was, I said, God's going to heal your child. He's going to deal with you in a different way. And I gave him a strong word from the Lord was going to happen to him because I thought, how arrogant can you be that you want God to heal your baby, but you won't serve the God who heals your baby? That, that kind of guy will take the produce of others and not produce himself. And so God healed that child. You know, it's an amazing thing. We were, we were in another place. We were, the first place was in Zimbabwe. The next place was in India. And we were, we were praying for a, a, a man who was deaf. He was demonized. And, and we prayed for that man. And uh, he, he started to hear. 
And uh, he, then he started to smile, and then he started to talk because the Spirit of the Lord had come in and, and had done some great work. This is the work of Christ. Amen. This is the work of Christ. And uh, another, yes, go ahead and give the Lord a prayer. Thank you. We were, in, we, we were in another place in India. We were in a, we'd gone many, many, many hours away to a little place where we would go and, and do meetings, gospel meetings. And, and we were down there, and we'd gone into this little church. Actually, when we go back, I always love to go to John Wesley's church down there. And, and uh, we were there, and, and uh, we were, a bunch of us were in the house. I think it was, I think it was my wife and my sister Susan. I don't know who else was with us uh, there. Uh, but we were in those days, I think, I think uh, Brother Stan was still working in the oil business. We were there, we were praying. We were in a little small church, there were about 40 or 50 people. It didn't look like it could get 20 people in there, about 40 or 50. And we were praying, we were, we were praying for people, and we just had to push back to pray. And somebody brought a blind man, and they said, would you pray for him? He's blind, he can't see. And so I prayed for him and, and kept on moving and praying for people and prayed prayed for somebody else, and then in a minute, I saw people, people on our team uh, pray, laying hands on him. Uh, Sister Liberto, was, she laid her hands on I know I saw her doing that. My wife and I were moving around in, among the people. And then somebody came to me and said, Pastor, Pastor, uh, this man. I said, I've already prayed for him in Jesus' name. You know, I kept, kept praying. <laughs> Tried to get to everybody. They said, no, he sees. He can see. I remember. Listen, I'm not. I'm not in any way saying it was my prayer, the one that got it done, right? But we were all laying hands on him, and he was able to see. These are amazing things that we see, that we, we know we're part of, and you are a part of them as well. But not only, I think, not only that, not only in, in the natural, but the greatest blessing is when a, a sinner, when a sinner's eyes are open and they can see they can see that they're a sinner and they need a savior when they can see that Jesus is who he says he is. That's the greatest miracle. That is the greatest miracle. Let me, let me, let me just sort of, I'm going to, I'm going to just abbreviate this if you don't mind. One day Jesus was was uh, talking to the Pharisees in John chapter 6. And in verse 28, uh, they said to Jesus, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? It's a good question. What must we do? Now they saw him doing these amazing works. And so Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. I want to end with that today. This is the work of God. You have now entered into the work of God. You don't have to say, well, I'm, I don't, I'm not as anointed as others. You don't know that. You really don't know that. Because many people who say that have never stepped out of the boat. You know, you, that, you know uh, they're still in the boat. Remember the story about Peter? I don't want to assume that everybody knows the story, but Peter and the disciples were in the boat. They were in a boat going to the other side because Jesus had just performed great miracles, fed the 5,000. They were on their way to the other side. They said, go to the other side. And Jesus was going to send the multitudes away. 
and they were out there trying to obey the Lord. They were in the boat, and Jesus, in the fourth watch of the night, saw them straining at rowing, that is, trying to do the will of God. And so he walked out on the sea and was coming to them, and uh, they saw it. They thought initially it was a ghost, and of course they were terrified. And then uh, Jesus says, don't be afraid, it is I. And they, Peter says, well, Lord, I love Peter. Don't you love Peter? Lord, See, we, we wouldn't have this story if there weren't some Peters. I'm saying we wouldn't have this story if there were not people among us who from time to time put their foot in their mouth. We, we get all upset about people who put their foot in their mouth. But we wouldn't have this story. I've, I've grown a little older and I know some things now. And so Peter says, Lord, <laughs> I heard the voice, but if that's you, I can see Peter. I'm from East Texas. Bid me to come. He said, come. He got out of the boat and he was walking. See, some of us don't know how anointed we are because we've never gotten out of the boat. You see, Peter, I don't like it when people preachers and teachers start to talk bad about Peter. You know why? Because there have been two men, two human beings who ever walked on water and Peter was one of them. You know what I'm saying? And so let's don't talk too bad about people who put their foot in their mouth. And he walked on the water. Now the other, the, the other 11, now they, they never knew that they could have walked on water too. So, so don't say, well, I'm not anointed. No, because you've not stepped out of the boat. That's why you don't know. But Peter was always set apart because there were two men who walked on water, and he was one of them Amen. because he got out of the boat. Amen. Jesus is saying here, they said, what must we do? What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe, that he has put faith in, put trust in and entrust yourself to him. That's what it means. Put yourself in a, what is it worth, a precarious condition. What is a precarious condition? It's one in which we, th we think the outcome is uncertain. When was the last time you put yourself in a place where the outcome was uncertain? Well, you know, if I obey God and I do this, I might sink. Now, we know the story, as, as I gave you, about Peter. He was walking on, on the water. He was going to Jesus, and he was going, and he took his eyes off Jesus. How many of us have taken our eyes off Jesus because we saw something, heard something? I'm just asking. So he took his eyes off Jesus and started looking at things around him. I had to turn my TV off because the news was killing me. No, I'm not ignorant. I'm informed by God. But I had to stop watching it because I can't watch it in Jesus too. And some of us are like that. We're getting dizzy. Are you with me? Really, my wife and she could tell you, we, we've been all of our lives been news junkies. We, we like to be informed and always have. But you go to our house now, and it's got a little white thing in the middle of the TV. We didn't even bother to turn the thing. We let the thing go off and just didn't even bother to get the remote and turn it fully. Go in there and say, oh, the thing's off. I'm not turning it on. 
You know what I'm saying? Getting our eyes off Jesus. The scripture tells us, looking unto Jesus. That's our, our responsibility. He is the author and the finisher by faith. Amen? Amen. 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 I want to ask a question. If you are here today and you do not know Jesus, you, you have not received Christ into your heart. You've not received him into your heart. You, you've been around him. You've been investigating him. But you've never ever made a decision. If you're here today and you would like to make a decision for Jesus, knowing that many of these you see in this house, almost every one of them, is a work of God through Jesus Christ. Jesus brought them out of total blindness and darkness into the light. Now they can see things that you're not able to see. And if that is you today, I want you to lift your hand and I want to see it. Just raise your hand wherever you are and leave it up until someone sees. If you would like to give your heart, give yourself to Jesus Christ today. He's an amazing Savior. He has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. Would you, would you like to do that? Would you like to give yourself to Jesus? Those of us who know the Lord, I want us to go on to know him deeper. And so I would like to have all of you to stand, everybody, to stand. We're going to go on to know him deeper. And Father, I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice will know you deeper, would know that they are a work of God themselves, and they are to continue the work of God by doing what Jesus did, by observing what the Father is doing. We want to know what you are doing, Jesus. We want to hear, we want to see. We want the report of what you're doing here and around the world to go out into the highways and hedges, to all of to the prisons, to the jails. We don't want to be like those who are at ease in Zion. In ease in Zion, the place of worship. As it were, the place where the throne of God was on the earth. We don't want to be at ease in our air-conditioned buildings, our churches, walled off from the rest of the world. I refuse to be at ease. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, before we go, we're going to bless the Lord. But let me tell you how I feel sometimes. And I, I don't want you to feel sorry for me, but this is how I feel. When I was a boy, we used to pull rope. I don't know what you call that. It, you know, when you pull the rope, tug of war. We did, thank you, tug of war. Uh, I, I'm from East Texas. We maybe never called it tug of war. We may have called it pulling rope. You know, God is a great deliverer. But, but sometimes we would have a little loop in there. And, you know, we loop it. I don't know why we would do those things, but we, we would loop it. And, and I feel like sometimes I'm in the loop and I'm being pulled to go to the nations and I'm being pulled to stay here. You, you don't pull me. I don't think it's you pulling me. I think it's something. Just a need. And the way, we, the way you get your pastor out of that place where he's, he's being squeezed is that you have to 
be volunteers, and that's where I was going to go in this message. You have to be volunteers in the day of His power. You have to volunteer eagerly. I'm signing up. In 9-11, I think I was 54 years old, and I was cr crying out to the Lord, I want to sign up. I know that's bad. But I was crying, I said, I want to sign up. I want to go, Lord. I'm 54 years old, I want to join on. More so, he calmed my heart, soothed me, said, you do what I've called you to do. That's your job. That's why I'm saying each one of you today. So let us go out with our hands raised to the Lord. Let us repeat after me and say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And the Lord give you his peace. In Jesus' name, I bless you. Amen.